Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast all about Adobe Photoshop. Brought to you by learningphotoshop.cc. Here's your host, Dave Cross. This is episode 25 of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. Welcome. In this episode, I have a very interesting chat with photographer Nick Bush, who specializes in something he calls scale model portrait photography. I first came across Nick's work on a Facebook group where he shared it, and it's really pretty remarkable. He builds scale models and then does portrait photography and uses Photoshop to merge it all together. Very interesting stuff. We'll give you his website information so you can check it out for yourself. But here's a little bit of information, background information on Nick. He's a former professional wedding photographer who now focuses on this thing he calls scale model portrait photography. His work has been featured on various sites such as Petapixel, Board Panda and the SLR Lounge. While a lot of his work is personal projects, he also does client work ranging from children's books to small business to help with their creative marketing. Here's my interview with Nick. All right, we're here with Nick Bush, who's agreed to have a chat about the kind of work he's doing that combines photography and Photoshop and some other very interesting aspects. So I'm going to obviously encourage you at some point to go and visit Nick's portfolio to see the kind of stuff he's doing. But Nick, why don't you give us a, kind of a brief overview to begin with of, of what it is you're doing that's kind of got some attention recently from various media sources. Yeah, what I do is something I call scale model portrait photography, and I combine portrait photography with scale models. Um, I usually do a lot of movie scenes. Um, I build miniature scale models at 135th scale, and then I photograph it in a way to make it look real life. Then I take the photos of the human models and I combine it into one image. So it looks like a scene from the movie and it has a certain aesthetic where it's real, but it's not real, I guess is the best way to describe it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's definitely it's something that I, I feel like I have to show. When I try to explain it to my friends or like somebody maybe I, I just met, it's really difficult. I'm just like, hey, just got to look at, look at it and kind of the seeing explains a lot better than I can, I suppose. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain, I think. Sure. And again, we're we'll we'll give people your information so they can go and see it. But so the next thing I'm curious to know, because it, to me, it's such a an really interesting idea. And I'll tell you more why I think that's particularly to me is of interest a little bit later. But what was it that kind of prompted this that made you think that you have an interest in model building and then you kind of combine it with photography or the other way around what kind of got it the idea generating in your mind well what i actually did is i um i saw a video on i was like most people you're just browsing youtube one night and i saw a video of some toy photographer doing some shots i was like oh it looks pretty fun it looks pretty neat because i was into uh, wedding photography for about five years so I, I went downstairs, played with the toys, and I got it to look pretty good. And I, and then I went back to work, and I was thinking, you know what? Maybe if I can get it angle this right, maybe I can composite a person there. I wonder if it can look all right. And I went, I did a shot of some, like I used flower, and I took a toy car. Then I took a picture of myself. I composite all together, and it looked pretty good. And I saw the uh, potential, I think, of what it could become. And, and no, I never done any um, model making or anything like that before. So I got some tools, started building small little sets, going on YouTube, learning how to do these things. And it just kind of eventually grew into my first big project. My first big one was the Wizard of Oz one. I bought some uh, some molds for some uh, 
bricks and I dyed them yellow. Then I built the little, built the little road. Then I asked a, uh, a friend of mine from high school if her daughter would play Dorothy and she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And, uh, yeah, she bought the costume, came over, we took the shot. And, you know, when I start these things, I never know if it's going to work. Like, I'm just like praying the whole time when I start it. Cause it's about a three month process from the start to finish. Then it, uh, she came over, I took the pictures, upload them to Photoshop. And sure enough, I cut her out. I dropped in there. I was like, Oh my God, this actually looks pretty good. Then, <laughs> you know, just, just like anything, you start small, then you just kind of gradually keep building the you're like yeah, I can, I can, you know, I can do this a little bit better. I can maybe add this and add that, and just eventually, you just things all start coming together. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the reasons that that I'm particularly was intrigued by what you were doing is when when I was a kid, I was heavily into model building, particularly military miniatures like Napoleonic uh, figures where you'd kind of assemble them and all this, do this painstaking painting sure. and like little tiny details on their uniforms, which now I would never <laughs> try again. But I, I used to build little dioramas to, you know, put them in. And I always would see people make and every every model they built was like a battle scene. Mm. But when I did some reading about, especially the Napoleonic Wars, it was clear that they spent like ninety percent of their time waiting around yeah. for the next thing to happen. So I instead tried to do things like them just hanging out in a bar or you know or whatever scenes that were just I thought a little more realistic. And and back then I would sneak away my dad's camera and try and take low angled photographs to try and make it look realistic and take them outside. So then the background would be actual trees. So that's why one of the reasons why, when I saw what you were doing, I thought, Oh, that's, that's such an interesting implementation of the combination of everything, building photography, Photoshop, pulling it all together. It's just really fascinating. Yeah, exactly. when I, when I first tried it, like, I'm really into movies like, you know, like a lot of other people. And when you see, when you watch a movie, uh, like a really good one, like Wizard of Oz, let's say, for example, when I saw that as a kid, I really wanted, I, like, I wanted more. I wanted to see more of Oz. I wanted, I don't know. I just, my imagination was going crazy. When I first tried it, I was like, I, you know, I, it wasn't really, I wasn't doing a very good job and it was like, it was looking all right. But like, I, I saw the potential in what, like, I can make a movie scene like this, this is possible. And, um, with with photography and that's what is kind of my motivation and I, I and I'm able to explore these worlds further with the type of work that I do and it's really I don't know it's great it's it's a lot of fun it takes a it takes a long time but it's 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 a lot of joy to do though so from a from the photoshop standpoint what was the what you say was the biggest couple of challenges when you first started was it trying to figure out the right angles to shoot the models so that they would composite more easily into the model what kind of challenges did you find at first um actually the modeling part was actually that that's one of the easier aspects of it adding the person to the photo that's not generally too difficult in photoshop that's just kind of basic compositing the difficult part was um the, the most challenging aspect is always getting the background to look right on the photos itself like adding the sky because a lot of my dioramas have a lot of uh, a lot of things going on so it's just the trees you have to make sure you mask all that stuff behind it out properly. Then you just have to blend in the sky to the whole uh, to the whole image, and that 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 is always the hardest part, I guess, aside from building the diorama. But that's not necessarily I wouldn't say hard. It just takes a long time. 
but definitely I would say the skies and just making sure the shadows and the color tones that, that, that can become fairly tedious after a while. But so what uh, now for things like the skies, do you also like shoot your own sky photos or do you use some stock images? What kind of, how do you composite all together from that respect? Um, well, I, I've got, yes, I have shot my own. Um, typically I just use, I actually use Adobe stock, um, for a lot of my skies. I, uh, they, their catalog is much better than what I would, if I went out and did it myself, it would take me forever to get all the images that I actually wanted. So they have like a lot of good sunset ones that I use, um, for most of mine. So Adobe stock is really my go-to. I use about 90% that maybe 10% my own. So what, what's, if, uh, what's kind of your go-to method when you're faced with masking in a sky amongst the, whatever you've built, your trees and mountains and whatever it is, what's your kind of go-to method for, for doing things like masking in Photoshop? Well, that actually has changed quite a bit over the last six months. Um, I used to, I have a red screen and I have a white screen and the red screen I use, it really depends on what I'm doing. If I, if I'm doing a sunset, I usually use my red screen because I can't use a green screen because the, the grass, um, it masks all the grass out too. So I use actually a white screen. I light, light the white backdrop I have. Then I use a, um, in Photoshop, I go to my channels, a channels section and I go to the blue, uh, the blue channel and I can use that to mask out the background. And that seems to work the best so far of everything I've tried so far. Um, if it's a complicated background, I have to do it that way. There's really no other way to get all little fine twigs and branches of the trees. So I remember looking at one image that you had done that, that I thought was kind of interesting because it was a little different than the rest that almost looked like a, like a hallway in a old hotel or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I did that. Actually, I built that with a, uh, uh, which is that, that one was actually pretty easy. I just used uh, foam and um, just foam. And actually, there's a dollhouse wallpaper and dollhouse doors. And uh, when I photograph it, I actually have to focus stack them. I have to focus stack it. Let's see. How can I explain this on a podcast where it makes sense? The key, I, I would say the biggest key to getting scale photography to look more lifelike is focus stacking, which can be done. You know, you can do it either in um, – in Photoshop or uh, Helicon, Helicon Focus, which I use that, which is much easier. But Photoshop, you just use the auto align and auto blend, and you can focus stack your shots. But if you do that, it will make your it will keep all the detail of your images much better than you would if you just took a big, long, singular shot from the camera far away. And that's what I did in the hallway. I took about 14 or 15 pictures. Then I had uh, three different models come in. We aligned them in different positions, took their photos, masked them out, plopped them in the picture, did all my blending methods and yeah and it was kind of like a uh it's like a robbery or not a robbery but like a i don't know like a gangster type of shot now when you're working with the the models how do you kind of prepare for things like angles and you know like the you know, camera angles to to match what you have created or do you just take a variety of like angles and heights so that you have different things to work with yeah that's generally what i do i take i i have a an idea already in mind of how I'm going to do the photo. But when they come, I, I, I do a variety just in case, because there was a, there was a few shots like my, uh, my Mary Poppins shoot, my main shot, I was planning on having her flying across in the sky. But when we tried it and I got back home, it wasn't working at all. When I was doing, putting it in Photoshop, I was like, hey, this doesn't look right. And I, I spent probably about five days trying to get to look and I couldn't do it, but I had another shot. I took of her luckily of walking away from the camera. And that was the one I ended up using that looked, it looked real good. So 
yeah, I just I try to mix it up and have them do probably about twelve or fifteen different variety of poses. The photo shoots usually don't don't run that long. They're only in there for about a half an hour to forty five minutes, and we can do it pretty quick. But yeah, it's just a variety. Now, I think many people would say when they're working on some kind of project that the more you do something, the easier it becomes. So was, has there been anything recently that's happened in either the model making side or the Photoshop side that you remember thinking, gosh, I wish I'd known that, you know, <laughs> months ago when I first started? Yes. And that is the how to do the sky replacement. I was I. I, I can't emphasize enough of how much trouble this has given me over the last two years. It has been a thorn in my side the entire time trying to figure out how to get these guys to look right. And I really would, as soon as I bought that huge white backdrop and I put it up and I threw all my extra lights I weren't using to light it up uh, in the back, it has cut down my workflow probably by 30%. It's cutting hours off trying to figure out how to do that every single time. So I really wish I would have learned that earlier. The um, the compositing part, yeah. The focus stacking is another thing. I wish I would have I wish I would have knew that better uh, a while ago because that definitely has given my images a lot more a lot more depth a lot more depth than they were in the past. So. All right, we're going to continue this chat in just a minute, but first. It's time for the tip of the week. Since Nick mentioned about using channels to make a mask, here's a tip that's very useful when you're using a channel as a start for making a mask. Once you've found the appropriate channel, often the blue channel, you duplicate it. And then if you select all, copy and paste. Now, at first you won't see any difference, but if you go to the edit menu and choose fade, in the fade dialog box, you can change the blend mode to overlay. And usually that will make the dark grays darker and the light grays lighter and get you well on the way to making a good mask based on that channel. In fact, you can do that operation several times to get you very, very close to what you want as a mask. With short tutorials, in-depth multi-lesson courses, and live Q&A sessions, learningphotoshop.cc provides the Photoshop training you need to succeed. All right, we're back with Nick Bush, and we're talking about the interesting work he does, very interesting work of combining model making and photography and Photoshop to create these works of art. So one thing that I'm curious about is what happens to these things, these models, once you've finished the, the full project? That is a uh, question everybody asks me, and I actually, they, they, they get thrown away, but the... Um, what doesn't get thrown away is like I take all the trees, all the vegetation, the bushes, the benches, the light posts. I take everything off and I save them all. And it, when it, when it, when you strip it all down, it's, you're not really left with much. So it's not really a huge deal. The landscape is probably the easiest part to do. And so it's like the the vegetation, the trees, that's the part that takes time. That costs a lot of money. And I save all that stuff. But um, I, I've kept a few um so when I want to add more depth to a picture, I might have, let's say, like a grassy landscape. I can kind of throw it in the back of the picture to add more depth to the picture. So um, I, I do keep some, but most of, most of them get thrown away. Now, I noticed recently I, I discovered your work. I think it was in one of the Photoshop groups on Facebook, I think. You've probably been sharing some of the work there. But I've noticed just in the last, seems like, month or so, <laughs> you've kind of 
let's say exploded onto the onto the different sites like a couple of photography blogs and one of the more interesting ones i saw the other day was it was not like a, a tv show in mexico or something did a feature on you yeah yeah it's been it's been a wild ride i uh, what happened was is i finished my lord of the rings project which was a huge passion project of mine i've been wanting to do that Ever since I started, that was one of the first ideas I had, but I couldn't tackle it because I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it right. So when I did that, when I finished it and I was happy with it, I posted it on Reddit and it made it just exploded out of control on the front page. And a lot, I got, it got a lot of attention. And the guy from Peta, one of the editors from Petapixel got a hold of me. He did an article. I think Birmingham Live uh, UK did a uh, article on it, and My Modern Met did an article on it. A bunch of small independent guys got a hold of me. They were doing some articles on it, and uh, yeah, then some a Mexico a TV show out of Mexico did it too, and I was on yeah I was on TV in Mexico apparently. Yeah, it's just been it's it's been a wild ride. I, I I'm not. <sighs> It's a, I don't know what the right word is, but it's very humbling when when you spend so much time working on something and then people you know appreciate it. And, you know, I don't I don't really. This is all personal projects of mine. I don't I do do client work. I don't do a lot of client work, mostly because uh, if I'm going to spend three months doing something, I I need to have my heart in it. Otherwise, I'm just you know banging my head against the wall all day, and I don't. That doesn't sound like very much fun. But I I, I do do it. I've done like a. Uh, I did a book cover for a, or a children's book cover. I did some company. There was a company out of China. I did some of their uh, some of their uh, work for their um, promotional picture. Uh, nothing really too crazy huge, but most of these big projects have been just personal. Yeah, and like I, I share on the, the uh, Andrew uh, Kavanaugh. Am I saying his last name right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Yeah. yeah, I post in the, his Photoshop group uh, whenever I finish a project. So and people seem to enjoy it. So now. I'm still kind of curious about the, the the skill that it takes to build a model with the kind of accuracy. Like I uh, I remember, you, I think you posted some behind the scene images or maybe even video of the Wizard of Oz one and putting like bricks in one at a time to create the yellow brick road. That doesn't seem to me to be a skill that the average person just has. Like how did you determine that you were able to do this kind of stuff and where did you go to try and if would you to try and get more ideas on how to do this kind of work well i think it i it actually that's a good question and i think it really i don't know i don't want to say skill it's it's i would call it more patience than anything because that part isn't necessarily super hard it's more just like i have to cast each tiny brick individually and lay it down hand by one by one which takes hours and hours and hours and hours to do it's not necessarily hard i would say it requires a lot of patience and i think this juxtaposed with in photoshop too when people are trying to learn you know like when, when people ask me like can you show me how to do this can you show me i'm like well which part do you want to learn because i'm going to show you the diorama part i'm going to show you the photoshop part i'm going to show you the photography part like there's a million steps i have to go through and i have to make sure each you know each step works so it's like it's like when people ask me, can you show me how to do this? It's it's I'm like, I don't like it's that's a very vague question because it's not like portrait photography where you have a model take a picture and start working on the working on the shot in Photoshop. This is way different. And um, you know, in like uh like anything, like let's say Photoshop, it, it just takes patience. Cause I know most people when they're getting into Photoshop, they just want like like me, 
I wanted to learn everything. I wanted to know everything right there and then. And like, it's very frustrating because it's very overwhelming. But when I when I started Photoshop, I just started with uh, sky replacements. I needed to do that for wedding pictures, and I needed to figure out how to do sky replacements. So I figured that out. Once I figured that out, I was like, you know, what? I can learn how to make fix up the skin a little bit. It's just one step at a time, and that goes with my model making too as well. You know, I learned how to make trees. Went to YouTube, watching videos, learned how to make the trees, and just one thing at a time, slowly, slowly, slowly. And I just had the patience to learn learn it all. I mean, it does take skill to kind of combine them all, but it's just I think it's just more pa- patience and uh, determination. I have very high determination to do this right. Determination and, as you said, patience, because it's it's reminds me of um, there's a Photoshop. I was going to say artist, but he's like a genius named Bert Monroy. And if you've ever seen his work, but he he basically creates what amount to paintings from scratch in Photoshop, but uber realistic and they're crazy. It's like four feet high by 12 feet wide. I mean, and, and he goes in knowing it's going to take him three years because of the scope of the project. So for many people, especially people that are used to that kind of that instant feedback of like, I want to open an image and I want to apply a couple things and be done to, to go into a project knowing this is going to take me three months. You know, that there's no question that takes some patience and also kind of planning to just know that it's going to take a while and that you're Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. That, that 100% agree. It's that's something I learned because when I first started, I would take a when I would do my and I would take toy photography or whatever. I take the picture, go to my computer. I could do it all in one day. And I just was like, yeah, this stuff's all right. But I was like, I just I don't know. I was just like, I, I know I can do better. And like, I know I can make this better. And it's just straight determination and just have to be every step of the way is like, how can I make this better? And it's it's just a patience game, pa- patience and patience and more patience because, you know, it's – and you have to love it too because if I didn't love this, I would obviously wouldn't be doing it because, I mean, like some of these projects, like the Lord of the Rings project took me three months, a little over three months to do. And <laughs> I don't think most people probably don't have the patience to do that, so <laughs> – now we've on on this podcast we've talked a lot about personal projects. Last week I had uh, Joel Grimes and he talked about personal projects and made an interesting suggestion when when people he he told the story about how when people would send him a composite they'd done and say what do you think of this composite he said okay here's what I'm going to tell you do 300 more and then send me the 300th one and I'll give you some feedback because until you've done something a lot and poured yourself passionately into it, there's there's really not much point. Anyone can do one thing once. And I think that's one of the interesting things of what you're doing is to, to do it because you're passionate about it and you're just being a fan of movies. You want to recreate something and be willing to go into it knowing it's going to take you the amount of time that it does. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you before I forget, give us a, a bit of a sense as, so once you've created the the models finished and now you need to start doing the photography, what kind of a setup do you do everything on? Like a tabletop setup with lighting? Like give us a bit of an idea of, of that kind of setup. Yeah, I use a, um, 
have a three light setup. I have two soft continuous light soft boxes and I have a strobe light. I mostly use my strobe light to light the background. I use my soft boxes to light the diorama and it's all on a tabletop. It's a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of like a coffee table almost. And I have a workbench. I build my stuff. I bring it over to the workbench, set my camera up. Like kind of like you were saying earlier, I get, I get, the, I get the camera real low real close to the diorama so I can get as many pictures as I can in the focus stacking. So I, I, I want to make sure I maintain the detail. So when I move the project from my camera into Photoshop, I have as much detail in each photo as possible and it's able to fo focus stack properly. Um, once I get them, yeah, and then once I get them all focus stacked from the uh, original photos, that's kind of when the, uh, the quote unquote magic starts happening. You kind of start seeing it all come together. And yeah. Now, when you're, so let's imagine for a moment you were starting a brand new project, whatever it might be. Let's just pick a, you know, some a favorite movie of yours and you decide this is my next project. What's kind of the process? Do you do a lot of, do you do anything like sketching out things or is it all just kind of in your head? Kind of talk us through how it's, you have an idea, what happens next? Yeah, great question. Um, so let's say uh, one that's going to be done within the next, I'm going to start within the next four months, um, four to five months is going to be Willy Wonka. So what I'm going to have to do for that is I've, um, I'll have to, obviously I'll have to look at a lot of still photos from the, uh, from the movie to try to start getting some inspiration from it. Once I kind of have a general idea of what I'm going to do, I buy the materials, such as the, the, the foam board as the baseboard and I'll put it down on my table and I'll just look at it and I'll kind of, kind of give it a kind of a brief, um, uh, what's the right word? I'll just start putting some objects on it to try to get a scale of how big I need to have it. And once I kind of have a good solid idea of how, how I want it to look, that's when I start building the thing. Once let's just say I'm about 50% done with the diorama, I'll go ahead and take my camera, take some photo, test photos, bring them over to Photoshop, plop them in, and I'll kind of get a good idea of where the project's going. Then I just kind of go back to the drawing board, kind of go back to start building the diorama again. Once it gets about 80 or 90% of the way done and I'm like, all right, this is going to work. That's when I kind of start putting my model calls out there. I'm like, yeah, who wants to do I mean, luckily I have a really good rapport with a lot of the local models and photography group here. So it's really not really hard to get any people that want to kind of hop on board to play the models. Yeah. Then, then I'll get done with the, uh, I want to, I, I make sure I got the photo completely done before I actually take the shots of the model. I want to make sure that's done right first. Um, but yeah, that's the step. I don't draw anything. I just kind of, I start, I just very slowly build it until I kind of shape it how I want it. Now, would you say, uh, or I guess the wording would be, how often would you say that the final product is kind of exactly what you had in mind from that first thought? And how often does it kind of take a slightly different path? Um, it's about, I would say, eh, one out of three probably look almost exactly how I imagined it. And the other two probably look about 70% of the way I imagined it. Um, like, let's just take it the Lord of the Rings, for example. There was four main, there was four main photos, two of the Shire and two of Mordor. The two of the Shire look completely different than how I envisioned it. And that little Hobbit house took me forever to make, but the Mordor ones, looked basically exactly how I envisioned it. Um, the Mary Poppins looked pretty close. Wizard of Oz looked pretty close. So I don't know. It's kind of, I would say about, yeah, about one out of three look exactly how I envisioned it. And then, but they're pretty close though. Well, I guess the good thing is that it's, it's all in your head as to what you're imagining. So if it, if it turns out, as long as you're happy with the end result, then 
you know, that's the important thing. It's uh, it'd be different, I guess, if you had a, a client that was giving you very specific specifications. I imagine it probably wouldn't be as much fun either if that was the case. The, yeah. And that's and that's kind of the issue when I have working with clients is that not not that I'm against. Obviously, when they're giving me money, I have to listen to them. And that but that's that's also kind of the double edged sword is because I have to start working around their ideas and nothing ever really exactly lines up how I originally planned. And it's just, I don't know, when money starts getting involved, it starts getting complicated. And that's why I kind of like to do my own thing. But like if the right projects come up, I'll work on them. Like I did one for a customer. I did the Lion King for a customer. It was really cute. She had her little baby dressed up as Simba. I made pride rock and that was pretty fun, but mostly I like, just like to do my own thing. So. Sure. So a lot of our the people that listen to this podcast, they've heard me rant on and on about the the importance of personal projects and practicing when you were first getting started going kind of going from the original toy photography to starting to kind of edge into building sets. How much would you say was involved in just sort of, in a sense, practicing to see is this going to work and what do I need to do and what what kind of level of trying things out and practicing would you say you did um yeah uh i a lot <laughs> it was a lot it was a 24 7 all the time whenever my kids weren't around i was always working on this project. i mean i still do that's all i do in my free time is i work on these projects because i like it so much it's really um it's it, it's really just one step at a time trying to fix one problem at a time and until eventually you just kind of get to a point i mean and like I mean, this must apply to so many things, but everything seems so overwhelming at first. When I first wanted to do it, I'm like, man, I have so many ideas, but I just don't know what I'm doing. Then you're just like, well, let's just start small. And the same thing with like Photoshop. If anyone who's learning Photoshop, just start small and just start building and building and building. The one day, like I, I'm at, almost at to a point where if I envision it and if I want it, I'm pretty sure I can get pretty close to how I envisioned it. And that's the same thing with Photoshop. There was just one day when I was going to kept using it over and over again. I'm just like, wow, I know what I'm doing now. And it just all kind of clicks, comes together. And uh, yeah, it's great. So it, there was there was a lot of steps to learn and a lot of practicing and, and many hours uh, yelling and cursing at my <laughs> table and my computer. But it it all worked. <laughs> well, so you said before that a lot of, it takes a lot of patience and obviously part of that patience is being prepared for failures and things not quite working out the way you wanted initially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I've had <laughs> funny you say that I have a whole bin, like, I don't know, like there's like some people that get a hold of me, you know, and they're just like, you know, show me how to do this. Like kind of like I was saying earlier, they, they want to learn. But I'm just like, you have not, I have a whole bin full of failed projects. I mean, I have probably 30 failed projects that are just sitting there that no one's ever seen. And it's like, it's just a lot of, there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of persistence until you get it right. Well, and that's, I think, a, a, such an interesting thing to hear because obviously the main thing I do for a living is teach people how to use Photoshop. And there are so many people that talk to me and they talk about how their frustration that they're not getting further ahead and they find Photoshop overwhelming, kind of what you were talking about before, that it seemed like an overwhelming project until you started breaking it down and going, well, let me just learn this one thing first. 
And I think that's such a valuable lesson because for anything, not the least of which Photoshop, it can seem overwhelming. But as you said, just focus on one thing, like I need to learn how to mask a sky. And then once you, in the during the process of learning that, you pick up a few other things along the way about layers and masking and then can be applied to other projects. So I think that's, that's a, such an important lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. All right. So... I'm hoping that probably even before we get to this point, people have already gone and checked out your work. But just in case they haven't already, where's the best place for people to to see the examples of these works that we're talking about? Well, you have a couple options. Um, you can go to my website. It's uh, Nicholas Bush. Uh, photography.com, Nicholas, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-U-S-C-H, photography.com. Or you can find me on uh, Instagram at Flying the Donut. It's kind of a weird name, but um, just Flying the Donut at uh, Instagram. And yeah, all my stuff's on both those both those platforms. And I have a Facebook page too under Nicholas Bush Photography too. So. Awesome. Well, Nick, thanks so much for joining me. I think uh, when people see what we've been talking about, they're going to be as fascinated as I was when I first saw it. And thanks for taking the time to come and talk about your work. No, I, I, Dave, like, I, seriously, I really appreciate it. I appreciate everything that's happening. I appreciate you. Very awesome, man. Very, I can't thank you enough. It's, it's, it's me and my family are just over the moon, excited about everything that's been happening this last like month. And this is just one more cherry on top of the ice cream. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. We'll see you, Dave. If you haven't already gone and checked out Nick's work, and I'm guessing some of you already have while you were listening, pretty amazing. And, and one of the things I love the most about this is just the creative thought process to think, hey, I can take this idea and run with it and expand on it and take my knowledge of photography and my knowledge of Photoshop and start making models and doing some pretty cool stuff. So I love that idea. I hope you're all inspired to start experimenting and get your creative juices going again. As always, I hope we'll see you back again in another episode of Talking Shop, the podcast all about Photoshop. Please share it with your friends, leave a review, all that good stuff. I really appreciate it. I'm Dave Cross. See you next time. Please subscribe and tell your Photoshop using friends. Find us at TalkingShop.show. This podcast is not authorized, endorsed, or sponsored by Adobe, publisher of Photoshop.